from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. And today's topic is Night of the Comet. Do you know what year this is from? Oh, uh, no. It's no, I don't. 1984. And why are we talking about this movie? Because um, this movie is set on Christmas. Well, at least around Christmas. Yes. Christmas time. Christmas so. time. And not just on Christmas time. The, uh, the movie talks about it. Yeah, they talk about it, uh, characters dressed as Santa Claus at one point, they talk about Santa a bunch, and it's a movie that we can throw in the ring for debate along with movies like Die Hard as a movie that is totally a Christmas movie that some people would not call a Christmas movie because it's not schmaltzy enough or whatever. People want their Christmas movies to be saccharine, they want them to be sweet or whatever, But Christmas stories were also once upon a time ghost stories. A lot of them. That's what a Christmas carol is, right? Yeah. This is also a movie I used to watch a lot with your grandma. Yes. So before we get into what Night of the Comet is about, other than Christmas, let's start with some parental guidance because this movie is rated PG-13. So, Alistair, what should parents be cautioned about? At one point in the movie... One of the characters pulls off the skin on someone's hand. Parental guidance for that. Yep, and it's a also, zombie. It's yeah. a zombie hand, and she like pulls the skin off of it. Though, yes, yeah, um, we watched a thing, and actually, it's just like fake skin and jelly under it. Uh, but, KY jelly. Yeah. It's actually KY that's jelly. actually a lubricant, which allowed the skin to slip off when she pulled on it. Yeah, still looks gory. Yeah, that's the one bit of gore in the movie. The movie is about zombies. It's got zombies and stuff in it. But that's the only real gory part in it. There aren't, like, zombie attacks where people get their throats bitten out or anything like that. It's pretty tame for a zombie movie in terms of, you know, overall zombie attack stuff. But that part is gross. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, over one part in the movie, at the end of the movie, not at the end of the movie, but around it, the end of the movie, one of the characters does use the middle finger, so if your child mm. uh, doesn't know about that yet. Um, or is prone to imitate. Yeah. yeah. There's also some language. Yes. There is some swearing. There is also a very 1980s usage of a homophobic slur. Again, 1984. It is of its time. Anything else? I mean, I guess it's like a pretty upsetting movie because it's about sort of the end of the world. Yeah, but that's really it. Yeah, I think that's it as far as parental guidance goes. You got that little bit of gore. You got some zombies, but there's not really zombie attack stuff. It's not even as gory as Night of the Living Dead. No. Right? So then you've got some swearing. You've got some deaths, of course. Middle finger usage. 
and the uh, one homophobic slur. So pretty standard 1980s PG-13 fare, plus that one little bit of gore. And also, if your child is known to imitate things, tell them to not imitate anything in this movie. (laughs) Probably not. Apart from maybe the surviving in the apocalypse business. You know, if they, <laughs> should they find themselves in the apocalypse? That, I am going, I'm not going to laugh at that because it still might happen. <laughs> so, where do you want to start talking about Night of the Comet? I almost called it Night of the Demon. This isn't Night of the Demon. <laughs> so, where do you want to start? I want to start at the beginning. It was, like, a comet that went so far and wide across, like, the universe that no one knew about it. And it was coming back, and there was a collision course for Earth. Well, but, not, it's not going to yeah, collide with Earth. Earth is going to pass through its tail, through, like, the tail yeah. of the comet. And it hasn't went past Earth since the dinosaurs. So what does that tell us? That it's the same comet that most people think that it's probably a comet, and yes, it probably is a comet that destroyed the dinosaurs, and it's the same comet that did that. Well, people think it's a meteor that destroyed the dinosaurs, that wiped them out, that hit the Earth. The comet goes past the Earth, and the Earth goes through the tail of the comet, basically. Now, yes, in the scope of the movie, the implication is that this comet also wiped out the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. It's also like scientists think it's not just a coincidence, but most people didn't. And it Uh then like cuts to a big thing like um, that people are partying and stuff. So much people gathered and like some and there's like a sign that says, don't worry, everything is safe. And they're like advertising little things. There's like little like headbands with like little comet things and everything. And so much people like partying and watching the comet and yeah. everybody's advertising. It's on TV. Yeah, everybody's yeah. excited for this comet. It's a once in a not not just a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's a once in every few million years opportunity. Every right? like millions and millions and millions of years opportunity. And they're like partying. But they don't actually know that it's that comet, I don't think. No, I mean, I think in the scope of the world, they are aware that this is very, very rare. But they don't seem to be worried about it. That's for sure. I, yeah, I don't think they know it's the same comet that wiped out the dinosaurs as they say in this movie so they're still partying exactly they think there's no big deal here well we meet our main character she works at the like i think it's a movie theater right it's a movie theater movie theater that's like doing all this and we meet her the first thing we see from her is like she's playing uh tempest if i'm correct yeah she's playing the the arcade game and she's got all of the high scores except Number six, DMK, mm, who she doesn't know. Mystery. Yeah. And then, like, the manager, I think. The manager? Now, let's not go step by step know, through this know. movie. But then, <laughs> We yes. meet her, yes. She yes. works at a movie theater. Uh, her name is Regina. And then yes. she has a sister named Samantha. And Samantha mm-hmm. is a cheerleader, which is only worth mentioning, I suppose, because Kelly Maroney, who plays Samantha in the movie, spends... A huge portion of the movie wearing her cheerleading outfit. Yes. So, like, like, that's her costume. Yeah. Like, the whole time, if I'm correct. Uh, All the way up until they go to the mall. 
That's one of my favorite things about this movie is it's like it's the end of the world, right? It's the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What do the teenagers do? They go to the mall. Go to the mall, right? Yeah. And they have a trying on clothes montage, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, of course, uh, back to, like, the party. And then, like, of course, Virginia's mom. Regina. Go Regina. Regina's mom goes to the little party. Um, and then eventually they're like, whoa, because there's, like, clouds of smoke and, like, rainbow-colored lightning. Yeah, it turns the sky all, all different colors, and then the sky turns, like, red. Yeah, and then we cut to, like, we're Virginia. It, Regina. I, I can't remember. <laughs> For, I don't remember. Does it start Regina. With, Regina. We're Virginia. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not Regina. I'm sorry. Regina. I'm with sorry. <laughs> Regina. Okay, Regina. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Get to where Regina is in the uh, recording studio. No, the... she's in the projection yes, booth projection. of the movie theater. Yes, um, with her boyfriend, and she wakes. Oh, there's up. some innuendo yeah. in this yes. movie as well. We yes. didn't mention that, but continue. And then, like, they wake up, and then his boyfriend is like, is like the guys is. Okay, so you're going step by step again through this movie. Let's not do that. Yeah. Right? It doesn't yeah. matter every single little detail. Let's talk about it broadly. Yeah. You still have to answer the big question here. What happens to the people of Earth? That I've asked um, you like five yeah. minutes ago. Sorry. Um, <laughs> what, what happens? With the dust trail, the comet we learn later in the movie, it sucks all the nutrients out of people so Moisture, much. Like the, Moisture, like the water. Out of people that they turn into dust. Yeah. But Dustified. There, of course, is zombies that I presume before they turn into dust, they turn into zombies. It's kind of a thing where the people who become zombies were exposed to the dust trail in some way. Yeah. But didn't get totally dustified, right? That maybe they were in a place where they were relatively secure, but they were exposed to it more so than, say... Regina and Samantha were because they were both in more or less airtight steel. Yeah, like places. Places. And yeah. So then they were protected, right? Because they were in steel, in closed steel rooms, right? So they didn't get dustified. But then there are zombies who are maybe partially dustified or whatever. Yeah, like, or like it's like partially. a radiation poisoning kind of a thing yeah. from the comet. And. Yes, they did say that if they're exposed to the comet, they become zombies. But if they don't become zombies, they're exposed even less. They will still become dust, just more slowly. Yeah, you'll become zombified over time, yeah. and then and then dustify. Dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like way slower if you're fully exposed. Yeah, yeah. which is all part of our Christmas traditions here in the United States: draining people of their moisture. And turning them into dust. Dan, really? That's true. <sighs> Sandy claws, dust. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't want to talk about dad jokes, what do you want to talk about? The movie. Well, let's talk about the movie. What do you, what do you want to talk about <laughs> with the movie? <sighs> oh, but yes, first time we see the zombie. Oh, yeah. Zombies, yeah. Her boyfriend, um, Regina's yeah. boyfriend, is like, attacked. Yeah. Because he's mad that he didn't get his money that he was promised. There's, like, someone banging on the door, and then he opens the door thinking it's that, and then zombie. And then 
um, the zombie has, like, I don't know what it it's is. It's a tire iron. Tire iron and kills him. Yep. We don't see it. No, no. It's no. like a crowbar, tire iron kind of a deal. Hits him in the head. Or maybe it's a wrench. Ugh, I don't remember. It looks in like my, a wrench. In my mm. memory, it's a tire iron, but it could be a wrench. I don't know. I we didn't watch it today. It it's like a little a, bit hazy at this like point. It looks like a wrench, but I'm not sure because I've never seen that and I have no idea what it is. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So it's some sort of heavy metal implement that clobbers the yeah. boyfriend with, the zombie and does. kills him. Kills him. There is some blood there, but we don't like see him getting no, hit with no. the instrument in the head, right? No. It just, it, we don't see that. No. Um, but then... <laughs> Regina does eventually get out and stuff. She tries to get out of the mall, puts a thing, stops the door when she gets out. But when she does get out, she gets, um, she can't get back in. Yeah, so then she's in the world of the zombies. Yeah. She's stuck outside with the zombies and she goes home and finds her sister there, right? So then it's her and Samantha in the apocalypse. Yes, but before that, I do want to say about before that when she meets a zombie. Okay. She like she goes outside. Um she goes outside and stuff and like hears something and stuff and she tries to get to the motorcycle yes. there. And then zombie appears. It breaks out and it's the same zombie, but it now has a chainsaw that I'm like, how did it get a chainsaw? Well it also at first is holding what appears to be like I don't know, a, a chunk of meat or something that we can only assume is from the boyfriend. But it's, uh, again, it's kind of like far away. So in terms of goriness, it's not that yeah. big a deal. It's really secondary, maybe tertiary to like whatever is going on in the scene that yeah. he happens to be carrying this kind of bloody chunk. Yeah. But again, Night of the Living Dead 1968 is gorier than this. Yeah. And also... I do have to say, it does look just like like something cut from, like, maybe a pig or a cow. Yeah, it looks like a side of beef or something, like a chunk of a side of beef. Yeah, 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 it just looks like that. Like a roast, like yeah. a big old roast. <laughs> but, like, it's raw, so it d- looks like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then... Throw uh, some salt yeah. and pepper on there, put it in the crock pot, ready to go. <sighs> so... <laughs> So moving on. Yeah. There's that zombie. There's a little kid zombie later. There's police yeah. zombies, which we won't spoil any of that, but that's where the hand yeah. gore stuff is. That's gross. Yeah. And then there are some zombies at the mall, which I guess is kind of like a 1980s Valley Girl <laughs> take on Dawn of the Dead for yeah. a solid 15 minutes of the movie, I suppose. I'm also still wondering, how did the guy get a chainsaw? Because he had a meat, and then, like, we cut over to Regina, Regina, I think. Regina, yes. Yeah, Regina, and then we cut back to the zombie, and he has a chainsaw. Sure, like you do. Yeah, like you do. Have a Like, if you turned around right now, I would have a chainsaw when you face back this way. Yeah, but you would have to have a piece of meat in your hand first. Raw yep. piece of meat. <laughs> I wonder where the chainsaw came from and where the cat went. <laughs> <laughs> She's not amused by that. No. <laughs> she visibly reacted to that. So, <laughs> she just put her hand on her paw, that's it. 
Let's talk about the Christmas stuff in this movie. Uh. What's going on with the Christmas business? Because, again, we're talking about this because it's our episode just before Christmas that we're recording. So it's our special holiday recording, which we almost forgot about. We went to record an episode this week and realized, holy cow, we don't have another episode coming out before (laughs) Christmas hits. So we like to do a Christmas movie and wanted to do something a little bit off the beaten path. So Night of the Comet, here we are. It's got Christmas stuff going on in it. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, we do talk about Christmas a lot. Mm-hmm. And yes, a character does show up as Santa Claus in the end of the movie. Yep. Uh, well, when I say the end of the movie, I normally mean like around the part of like the ending. It's it's like at yeah. the turn from Act Two to Act Three where that yeah. happens. Yeah. Or as I know it, like the beginning of like the climax and stuff, probably. Yeah, the climax is where Act 3 starts. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what else do we have Christmas-wise in the movie? Because uh, we got to justify this as a holiday episode. Yes. Because um, <laughs> it's not like, you know, zombies pop out of gifts or anything like that. No zombies jump out of Christmas trees, like in Gremlins or whatever. You know, obviously, Gremlins jump out of a Christmas tree in Gremlins, not zombies. You know what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas has Christmas in the title. This one, um, um, it's Christmas. They do talk about, it, they do talk about Christmas. It's hard to see. Most of the things are about Christmas, though. And then they go to the radio station, I think. Sure. Yeah. 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 And then meet another character. Who, in that part, is where Samantha, the with the cops and the gore, that part, sure. that is where. So, yes, they meet the other character. What does this have to do with um, Christmas? Where are you going but, with this? Yes. Eventually, Regina talks to him, and he's like, I have to go out of town because his family went into town because it was Christmas. Yeah. Sure. And he goes back to his place, and there are... Christmas decorations all yeah. over the place. Yeah. The one thing that's really big about this movie that I was hoping you would touch on is that, yes, there are conversations about Christmas. They mention Christmas. The one guy is dressed as Santa in a scene. The scientists talk about Santa Claus a couple times. So there are some discussions of Christmas, but basically every scene in the movie has Christmas decorations, right? There are like Christmas lights, Christmas trees garland, bows, kind of everywhere in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a zombie movie in the apocalypse. Everybody's been turned to dust. The sky's red. But there are also Christmas decorations everywhere. I'm I'm not sure about this, but I don't remember exactly. But I don't know if there was a zombie with something like Christmas on it. Or maybe? I don't know. Uh, There are not actually that many zombies either, though. No. Right? I mean, it's mostly about these teenagers living at the end of the world. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I'm disappointed there isn't a zombie stuck inside a reef with a Christmas hat on or tangled up in Christmas Like a Like a Santa zombie? Yeah, like a zombie with a Santa hat on, a zombie stuck in a reef, or a zombie tangled up in Christmas (laughs) lights. Are you saying reef or wreath? Wreath. Sorry. (laughs) Wreath. (laughs) Wreath. Zombies going swimming in the ocean. (laughs) Get stuck in a reef. Yeah. (laughs) you're right though that would make it more of a christmas movie if there was a santa zombie if they used 
Christmas things to fight the zombies, but there's very little Christmas implemented into the action of the piece. Most of it is them trying to find people, going to the mall, and then dealing with these scientists. And there are zombies, and the scientists are kind of suspicious from the start. So it's a lot about them just trying to survive. But every scene has Christmas stuff in it up through sort of Act 3, where they, you know, spend a lot of time with the scientists. Ton of Christmas stuff. Every setting yeah. they find themselves in, there's some kind of Christmas thing going on, like, yeah. in the background. Yeah. So it's more of, like, an atmosphere than it is the subject of the movie, right? Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas, that's about Christmas. Gremlins, that's really about Christmas, too. This movie isn't very Christmas, but it makes up for that it's it's not the subject that there's Christmas in every sing- like almost every single scene. Yeah. And it's more, like I said, it's it's atmospheric more than it is topical. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes it an unusual Christmas movie. I mean, you look at the cover here, there isn't any Christmas. It's incidental to the plot, but it really does inform the visual style of the film. Yeah. You know, it's like vision. a production design mm-hmm. element. Like most Christmas movies you would think of, that's like the topic. Like the topic, but this is like... The visual topic, basically. Yeah, it's a visual motif. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that gives you all the cool colors of the Christmas lights, yeah. right? I mean, we're sitting in a room lit with Christmas lights right now, and you got all the cool colors, you know? Yeah. And it actually takes what is otherwise a pretty dour film about the end of the world and makes it seem a little less oppressively bleak yeah. because there are Christmas decorations everywhere. It just kind of lifts it up takes what is potentially super depressing and adds a fun visual element to it that makes it all a little bit more palatable. Yeah, and also I do have some suggestions that would make it way more Christmas. Of course, the zombie, and also the sky is red and yellow. Why shouldn't it also be green? Mm, good call. Red, yellow, and green, but like, of course not that it's like so light like Christmas, but like the dark. Like, yeah, that yeah. would make it way more Christmas. I I agree with that. Yeah. But, of course, that's not what they're going for, yeah. so whatever. But it's still, yeah. I recommend it as a Christmas movie, as a holiday movie yeah. in general. So, before we move into the segments, do you have anything else you want to talk about specifically? Oh, I wanted to talk about the mall. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned the mall. Which also, yeah. right... In the 1980s, Christmas and the mall, very much hand in hand. You know, that consumerism, Reagan era, you know, greed and materialism, boom. So, absolutely. Yeah. As you said, go on a clothes shopping spree where they, like, put on a bunch of clothes and stuff. Yeah. Like, try it out. Um, And that is where Samantha gets her non-cheerleader clothes that she has on for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. She finally gets out of her cheerleader outfit. But it's really an iconic image, Kelly Maroney, in that cheerleader outfit. I'm actually, I don't know if she puts that cheerleader outfit on in the scientist place. No, I don't think she puts it back on ever again. But it's what she has on when Regina finds her. Because she was preparing to go to cheerleading practice unaware that the world had ended because (laughs) she was like she was in a like a warehouse and before the comet hit she went back to the house so she didn't know that 
Well, no, she was in the this she said like a storage shed or something like that all night long while the comet went past because if she was outside of that she'd have been turned to dust she didn't come out until the morning and then when she went back home nobody was there and just assumed that her stepmom had stayed somewhere else overnight so she ends up in that costume for a good chunk of the movie yeah she is wearing that if you watch it a bunch of times, you just don't realize it's on for that long. Like, you just, it's <laughs> okay. like, yeah. And this is a movie that we've watched quite a few times because you mentioned it on one of your countdowns two or three Halloweens ago when we did one of the top seven or eight, you know, Halloween movies or something like that that you had recommended. So you talked about it there. But that was and, the only other time yeah. we talked about it on the show in depth at all. And I think this is the year where we actually do the movies we say we're going to do because I'm totally sure we talked about doing this a lot. (laughs) Yes, yeah, we've (laughs) talked about it a bunch. But again, it's PG-13, so it's not quite a kid's movie. You know, you're watching more mature films. And of course, you know, you watched this and you saw the zombie hand bit, you know, where its flesh comes off. And then you learned how it's done. Right. And even before that, you had some guesses about how it was done. And so that makes it easier for you to watch these movies, you know, because you are aware of the production of them. Yeah. So that's something to parents out there that if you want to get your kids watching these movies, it helps for them to understand the process by which monsters are made, you know, to see Boris Karloff, to hear Boris Karloff's voice over how the Grinch stole Christmas and then pictures of Karloff getting in the Frankenstein makeup, right? Yeah. But anyway, let's jump into the segments. So, Beastly Best. Alistair, what is the coolest monster moment in 1984's Night of the Comet? Mine, I would say, is when the zombie just is like, rawr, with a chainsaw. Is that the first zombie? That's my favorite part. Sure, sure, yeah. And again, there aren't a ton of zombies in this because most people have been turned to dust. It's just the people who managed to live but got exposed to too much of that comet radiation and they're zombified. And also the zombies aren't that funny because they can, like, talk and they're actually, like, very, very smart zombies. Well, great thing to bring up here because these zombies are a little bit different from in other movies because they're human beings who, rather than having died and come back to life, their mental faculties have slowly deteriorated. And we see that in other characters in the movie where they've been exposed to too much of that comet radiation and they can't remember anything. They're slowly starting to zombify. They're drying out, you know, and it's only a matter of time Mm -hmm. before they become zombies and then maybe even turn into dust themselves. But they're very smart. They still think like a zombie would think. But they're still very, 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 very smart. Yeah, they're they're the same person, only sort of their moral compass goes, right? Instead of being mindless zombies, they are still people, but they start to lose their memories. And then they lose their ability to behave as moral beings. Yeah, they're a person. Like, that's how they are. And then eventually it's like they're just they become a zombie. And they are very smart, but they're less smarter because they act like a zombie. Yes. They just, like, they act like a zombie. They're not as smart, but still they're way smarter than normal zombies would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
One of the coolest things that I think they do is some of them have machine guns. <laughs> some of them come out with Uzis. That's pretty cool. Because they do retain a lot of their mental faculties, they're able to use tools. Kind of like in Romero zombie movies, they use tools. But these are basically people who've just gone bad, right? They're, yeah. Their minds and their moral compasses have rotted away. And they're just looking to do harm to other people and maybe eat them, right? Yeah. So they can use and, machine guns and stuff. And one thing that is a bad thing about that is that they explode themselves in cars because that happens in the movie. Get spooked. I think we're both going to be in agreement here. The spookiest moment in the movie is... The part with the hand. Absolutely. The zombie police officer's hand flesh getting torn off. Obviously the spookiest part of the movie. Big spook there. Yeah. Did you have any funny bone stuff that you wanted to talk um, about? Any comedic bits stand out to you in particular? Hmm. I always thought it's funny that they go to the mall. Like, I'll say that. Like, that amuses yeah. me. That's really one of the most charming elements of the movie is that it's the end of the world. What would you do? Well, I mean, if there's nobody around... You go get some stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I had one. Okay, cool. So then now is time for the big one. Scream themes. What is a major message of this movie that you picked up on? The scream thing I had is you should believe other people and work together. Great. Um, I guess it depends, of course, who you're talking about believing I mean, how do you see that specifically? Who should you believe and in what situations? You know, um, I guess that, let's clarify that a bit. What I mean by, like, believing others is to believe others that you're, like, close to and that you know are good people. Okay, so people who are close to you, who you know don't have any harm in mind for you, if they come to you with serious things, don't push them away. Yeah. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Awesome. There's also potentially something about scientists in here, but it's also undone by its own presentation of the scientists. So I don't even know if that's worth going into. But you're right. The people who have your best interest in mind, if they come to you with something that sounds difficult or sounds hard, something that's hard to hear, something that's difficult to achieve, maybe hear them out, right? Because sometimes, you know, it's a problem that you have as a human being. There's something wrong that they're seeing that you don't see because you're too close to the problem. Sometimes there's an urgency that you're unaware of. They're trying to get you out of the house in a certain amount of time, whatever. Recognize who has your best interest in mind and who does not. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add to that? No. Rad. Well, that I guess does it for Night of the Comet. Happy holidays, critters and creeps. Happy holidays. Yeah. Alistair, where can our listeners find us online if they want to support the show? At patreon.com slash wordsalad. Yep, that supports us and Word Salad Radio. Lots of exclusives on there. Cinemuck, the show that I record for Patreon exclusively, as well as projects that Al and I have done together, including commentaries on entire films that are in the public domain, and a short film that Al did the score for and performed the music for. All kinds of stuff that we've experimented with on there for fun. Yeah. And we've made that patron exclusive. Also, just sharing out the episodes helps us big time, as does rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, wherever else you can review us. 
So thank you all for that. Alistair, social media. You can find us on Twitter at cadaver underscore cast. You can find us on Facebook at the Cadaver Cast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. And you can find us on Instagram at cadavercast, one word. And if you have any, like, comments or emails, you can send us an email at cadavercast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Without any provocation from me on any of it at all. Awesome. Great work, dude. So, why don't you sign us out and leave our Critters and Creeps with a nice holiday farewell. You've been listening to another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love you and have a good holiday. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Rawr with a chainsaw.